one of the keys to Apple is Apple's an incredibly collaborative company. When uh, Steve Jobs was at the helm of Apple, from the beginning when he created the company, he never paid dividends. Now the result was lower than the market had expected. Their underlying profit coming in at 412 million US dollars, down by 91.5% when the market was looking for something around 700. In this episode of Business Briefing, we're going to step back from the noise of company results and look at digital disruption, the rise of internet platforms and marketplaces. Someone who knows this well is my guest, tech entrepreneur and fintech researcher. Paul X. McCarthy, professor, adjunct professor of computer science at the University of New South Wales. Paul can tell us where this disruption is coming from at the moment. So it's a combination of factors, but it's uh, largely uh, new entrants from global players. So, for example, in the media sector in Australia, um, uh, there's been two trends. One is um, the move to a larger share of the overall advertising uh, spend being spent uh, online, and that's now approaching television in terms of the total total spend uh, in, in media. And, of course, the dominant players in that space uh, in search... Uh, it's Google globally uh, and, and social, it's Facebook. So we're seeing two companies that um, dominate a sector that traditionally all the revenue has been domestic uh, and now that, that money's sort of um, being... It's an export, basically. It's become an export industry. In the same way, um, we're seeing that in, in other industries like retail with Amazon, the dominance of Amazon in retail. It seems to me that the economics are digital, um, I mean, if we just look at the numbers, the last year's numbers, ASX companies, they look pretty strong. I mean, 90% of the companies on the ASX were profitable. Uh, if you take out... I mean, the biggest disruption in the last calendar year is really the, the collapse in iron ore prices. And, you know, and, the, and if you take out BHP, you know, profits in aggregate are actually up 6%. But I think the thing is that we've got a question... Are we looking at the right things by, you know, looking at this annual, these annual snapshots, the focus on profits and, uh, and particularly on dividends, when perhaps in the longer term the, the, the structural changes to the industry that we might want to be looking at as well? Are these sort of disruptors carrying across sectors? Is it likely to impact results for a larger cycle? You said we should move beyond looking at a year? The one question is around cross-industry disruption. So my sense is this these forces that I term online gravity are applicable to every industry. And it's a case of each industry coming under their spell, if you like, one by one, initially with music and publishing and media, uh, retail. Now we're seeing transport, accommodation, uh, fintech. You know, financial services has been, in the last couple of years, a lot of excitement and energy around that. And we're seeing disruptions, particularly around personal finance. But I think that the, big, the biggest changes in that area are yet to come. Can you imagine, for example, if we had a Google or an Uber of residential mortgages on a global scale? Imagine if you could borrow money from a global company that replaced, you know, the residential mortgage industry in Australia. <laughs> I mean, I hate to think, you know, it'd be catastrophic for Australia's finance sector, but that's, you know, that's that's possible. Um, and it, it um, seems it seems like sort of pie in the sky, long way off thing. But is this just around the corner? Is this closer than we think? I think it might be, yeah. And I think that some industries that have been immune, for example, the legal sector, um, legal tech, my sense is next year is going to be the year of legal tech, has been uh, largely immune to these changes. Already in the US we're seeing 
a lot of basic legal services being um, commoditized and platform, you know, platform economics coming into play with companies like LegalZoom. So yeah, I think we're we're going to see some some much bigger changes than we've seen already. Yeah. And it sounds like to industries and sectors that disruption was thought to be very difficult in the past. Yeah, that's right. I think there are opportunities, though. I mean, I think that Australia has some great companies and, and some of the metrics that I'd look at, in, you know, in addition to, not to say that we need to throw, obviously companies need to be profitable. I'm not suggesting that. But the dividend fixation, I think, is one of the one of the structural challenges in Australia. You know, we've got a lot of people that are looking for reliable um, dividends. And uh, it's uh, quite telling to me that when uh, Steve Jobs was at the helm of Apple, from the beginning when he created the company, he never paid dividends. And you'll remember, many of our listeners will remember probably that he was ousted from the company and had a spell in exile for almost a decade. And during that time, the company, people running the company at that time, decided to reinstate dividend policy. And then when he came back, he turned it off again. And, and interestingly, now that he's gone... They're now paying dividends again. To me, it sort of says, and this is his logic, you know, that, that you're investing your money with us. Presumably, we know what to do with it better than you do. <laughs> um, so it's a simple idea. And I guess the thing is, do we see better growth prospects than, than you do? So if you look at the compounded revenue growth over the last five years, companies like Apple, Alphabet, which is the new corporate name for Google, Amazon, Facebook, they're all um, north of... 20% per annum compound over the last five years. And despite the fact that they were huge companies five years ago, they've still maintained that growth rate. And there's a few companies in Australia that are, that are in that league, albeit they're a lot smaller still. Seek, you know, is a $5 billion company and has grown its revenue 22% over the last five years. Uh, REA, similarly, $7 billion company now, 20% growth per annum, and a bit smaller um, OFX, formerly... Um, uh, Osforex, it's a half a billion dollar company and 23 times. So this is the sort of thing I think we need to look at. Is, um, some of these companies with global aspirations, you know, that have global growth opportunities, what are, what's their, you know, not what's the dividend, because you know, that's potentially a fleeting thing, but what's what's the growth and the footprint globally? There seems to be in Australia at least a battle between keeping the shareholders happy in terms of um, dividends as you were speaking about and then also dealing with the disruption that is happening and investing in, in innovation and infrastructure to be able to handle that um, and dealing with losses at the same time. Do you think Australian companies are, are handling the juggling act at the moment? Yeah, this is a real challenge, I think, for Australian companies in particular. And some are doing it particularly well. I guess the other thing is that there's a lot of companies that aren't necessarily in the digital services space itself directly that have huge opportunities and are doing well. Treasury Wine Estates was a star and has been a star over the last couple of years after some difficult years. And that's partly due to its global focus and its investment in, in digital. And now Treasury Wine Estate, I think the Penfolds brand is now number number two worldwide brand on Instagram. And that's due to their investment in that digital channel. You see companies, I think the minister, Greg Hunt, was criticised for going to visit a paint company, sort of the, not sort of switched onto the digital 
seen, but he is. I mean, Dulux is one of the most advanced companies in the digital space and are investing heavily in digital and are doing some amazing innovative things. So some companies are, um, are doing some, some great things in this area. In a cycle such as this, um, where should companies focus in terms of trying to deal with disruption, particularly from digital? The key message in my mind for all companies is to increasingly have a global focus and to think about comparative advantage. You know, where is it where is it that we can best contribute globally and make the biggest impact globally? And I think increasingly that's about using what I call gravity assistance. So this idea of how do you plug into, if your company is not in the business of being a global platform like Amazon, Alibaba or Google, then um, can you use those platforms? Can you plug into those kind of global ecosystems? A great example is uh, there's, a, there's a smaller listed company in Australia, Appen, a speech technology company, and they're doing some amazing things and partnering with um, and some of their customers at Google and Facebook and doing linguistic, you know, leveraging Australia's strengths in linguistic technology and they're doing all this sort of accent recognition on voice speech recognition. But again, partnering with these global giants so that they can, you know, take advantage of that. The reason WhatsApp was such a huge success, you know, in a very short space of time and uh, only had 55 people and sold for $17 billion wasn't because they were so bright. It was because they connected to the Apple platform, the ecosystem that Apple had built and leverage that. So there are companies that are doing it, but I think this is where we need to do, put more attention. That's Paul X McCarthy, adjunct professor at the University of New South Wales. If you'd like to read more on the bigger picture of company results, you can follow our company results wrap series on the Conversations website. Our theme music is by Ben Sound, and I'm Jenny Henderson, Melbourne editor for Business and Economy. If you'd like more business briefing, feel free to subscribe on iTunes.